So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start by saying thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and myself. I hope you all learned some new quarantine habits and enjoyed some of our movie recommendations. Now for episode 35 of Easy Conversations. Extremely excited, of course, to bring back the homie Matt. Say what's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Happy to do another episode. These are always fun to do. And we have a special uh, guest with us today. Oh, yes. Very special indeed. Making his fourth appearance on the pod. Curator of his own podcast, Tales from the 96 Camrys. Friend of the program. Co-worker of mine. All this to say, Bassam Issa, welcome back to the pod. Say what's up to the people. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm glad to be here. Excited to record this episode. Indeed. So for this episode, we are also doing some video recording. So answering the fans' pleads to get some more FaceTime. So here you have it. So now for this episode, episode 35, we'll be discussing, for the most part, my favorite characters in most movies, which are the villains in movies. Um... We'll start off by discussing basically what makes a good villain, what are some key characteristics to make a good villain, why are they so important, etc. So, Bassam, I'd like to throw it out to you first. To you, what really makes a good villain and how important are they in general in movies? All right. What makes a good villain, in my opinion? Uh, Two spectrums. Sorry, one spectrum, but on either side. Uh, In my opinion, a good villain is either greatly hated or greatly loved. I don't think there's an in-between. That's just for the villains that I uh, like from all the movies that I've watched. I either really, really like them or I really, really hate them. Okay, good points. Matt, anything to add on that? No, that's actually really well said, Basam. Um, I My favorite villains, as you're going to see when we do our top five, is pretty much... I, they're so evil and they did such a good job at playing at their character that I had to put them on my list or that I can relate to them. That it, what makes a villain that I can, that I love is one that like I can relate to. And I have examples of that too for later on. Yeah, I agree with that. Both of your uh, assessments really, I think they're like you said, Bassam, there's two different ways of looking at them. The one you, that you love to hate and the others that you also love like there's some cool characters often villains are often characters that give in to their vices that the protagonist will not right and that's what makes them relatable Matt like you said in that some of the things that they delve into are stuff that we might want to delve into but then there's also the evil aspect to it that makes us stray away from becoming like villains so it's maybe a representation of what we could be if we really gave ourselves up so something to think about it's deep yeah it's off the top i mean this wasn't even prepared (laughs) anyways so yeah no i think that's a good way to lead into our list because like matt said as well i have two different types of villains on my list some that i love to hate and others that i just love so we rounded out a top five of villains our favorite villains in cinema strictly movies which for me i don't know about you guys was super hard i have a lot of honorable mentions that Mm -hmm will probably be on some of your top fives. And if it would have been a top 10 list, it would have been much easier. But we decided that five was the way to go. So um, how was making the list for you guys? Was it also difficult to narrow down or was it pretty straightforward? You knew what your top five was right away. 
Uh, I knew my top three right away, and my last two were kind of a toss-up between, like, six other villains. But uh, that was pretty simple. I, I made my list pretty quickly. Mine was extremely hard to do because I could take it in so many directions. Like, do I include horror films or all, like, the superhero movies or just, like, villains that are more realistic, not, like, a comic book? Um, so I, I'll... Ex- when I get into my top five, I'll I'll explain what I did, but like narrowing it down was super super hard. I agree with the different genres as well. Like, am I putting Secretary Fox from Harold and Kumar on there, or am I putting <laughs> Hopper from Bugs Life? Like, I don't know. I don't think so. You'll see. But um, yeah, I agree. It was, it was tough for sure. You'll see. There's tons of uh, people I can list later on. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. So Basam, do you want to kick us off? with number five on your list and then we'll just go uh, round table style sure thing let's go all right uh my number five is agent smith from the matrix uh, uh just getting recognition from matt i know it's a good pick <laughs> i i consider uh, that one that's what we all want so the reason is so i've watched the matrix uh i think three times and in each time i've watched it um I couldn't stand him as a character, but in a way I did like him because I couldn't stand him. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's what makes a good villain. He was just everywhere at all times, like a kind of like a pest. Well, he was a virus, computer virus. Um, he was super powerful, was able to clone himself, um, response from death. So he's kind of like impossible to kill if you really think about it um so i put him at my five because i only watched matrix uh two or three times and yeah he's probably from a top five perspective my least favorite that's a solid pick basama and hugo weaving who plays him phenomenal job portraying him so yeah great pick uh, do you, you want me to go Matrix, next, Eric, or you? I knew, I know, I actually haven't seen The Matrix, which I know is crazy. What? It's on my list, but there's just too many movies to watch out there that uh, haven't gotten to it yet. So it'll be watched. <laughs> you know, Agent Smith. I'll look out for him. Just watch the first one and then stop after that. Yeah, that's what I yeah. hear. So am I going next? Yeah, yeah. keep it okay. going. So my first few picks are going to be like the villains in the movies that I think are the most evil and I hate them, but they do such a good, like the actors who played them did such a great job. Like I can't, I cannot not include them. The first one is the Captain Vidal from Pan's Labyrinth, the stepfather character. Uh, Have you guys seen Pan's Labyrinth? It's on the list. I haven't seen it. No. Okay. Well, he's extremely sadistic, cruel, it makes your skin crawl every time he's on screen. What he does to like, uh, like he captures partisans in the movie and does things to them. And he's extremely mean to the, our main character. And ultimately what happens in the movie, it's just, he's a deplorable human being, but it's a great acting performance and just like a, a masterpiece of a movie. And he's one of the reasons why it's such a great movie. Yeah. So that's my number five. 
sure it's a solid pick. Haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth yet, but like I said, oh. it's on the list. I know it's our cousin Dill's like second favorite movie of all time there, so he might be disgusted and to hear that two of the three of us on here haven't seen it, but at least you're right. I gotta it. agree I gotta agree with Dylan. Like it's one of the best films ever made, no joke. Guillermo it's del really, Toro. Really good. Yeah, Guillermo Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Nice. It was a shot in the dark. Um Sam, anything odd on there? Or... I've never seen Pan's Labyrinth, uh, but I do really like Guillermo, so I'll probably add that to my list. I do have an ongoing list that I keep adding to, so... Yep, same here. So for me, my number five is really when I think of cinematic villains that you just love to hate, for me it's Commodus from Gladiator, the Joaquin Phoenix's uh, jealous power-hungry son of the Roman Emperor who basically is jealous of Maximus, our protagonist who's played by Russell Crowe his whole life. And you can kind of feel bad for him in the beginning of the movie because all he wants is his father's love. But that quickly goes away when he brutally strangles his father to death in like one of the opening scenes. So you don't feel too bad for him after that. Um, but throughout the whole movie... His character is just purely evil, um, like I said, jealous, nasty, incestuous, I might add, and <laughs> just an overall scumbag, and you don't feel bad for him, and what I love in the movie is the duality, or the mirroring between him and Maximus, how, like I said, his father always loved, respected, and wanted Maximus as his son, and that's all that Commodus wants, wants his whole life. And all their interactions between those two characters to me are just dynamite. And in my opinion, that's the most satisfying death scene of all time in cinema is when Maximus just lays a, a shit kicking on Commodus at the end of the movie. Um, extremely rewarding. I, um, I wrote down a quote from this gold mine of a movie of quotes that I just love the interaction between Commodus and Maximus. Uh, Maximus says to him, I knew a man once who said, death smiles at us all. All a man can do is smile back. Commodus answers, I wonder, did your friend smile at his own death? Maximus answers, you must know, he was your father. Just like bone chilling stuff. And um, yeah, that's all I have to say really about Commodus right now. He's also super funny. He has a lot of really funny lines throughout the movie. Um, when uh, Maximus is just dummying everyone in the in the Colosseum and the crowd's loving it and he's just like, ooh, like mocking the, the crowd, loving it there. Um, yeah, that's my number five, Commodus. Solid pick. Super also, solid the, scene, pick. the scene where he asks Russell Crowe to reveal himself and then Russell takes his helmet off and gives this little speech. Yep epic scene iconic yeah yeah it is my name is gladiator it's gold have you seen gladiator basan so i have seen uh gladiator once i took a roman civ course as my elective in my last year and we had to watch it i've seen it once and commodus did make my list that's how much of an impact oh, wow. he had on my yeah uh so he's my four actually i'm gonna okay. kick it off at four right now segue. <laughs> what a transition oh. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to mirror a lot of what Eric said. Um, I think Joaquin Phoenix absolutely killed that role. 
just because of I guess the characteristics he displayed like the character himself is the black sheep of his family and, and he really made you like understand where he was kind of coming from even though he was doing some nasty shit like deep down inside maybe it stemmed from like abuse from his father or whatever even though you can't really uh you can't really excuse what he did because of his upbringing but i think joaquin killed that role um so he's like a vengeful and cruel and jealous kind of character and the whole cliche of killing his father to take his throne um it is a huge cliche but again joaquin did it perfectly um he has the hots for his sister and wants to like have her as a sex slave like it's just at all levels messed up uh so he's a character that i love to hate yeah what else could i really say about him he uses rejection as his like fuel um he's just an all-around scumbag character that i really like I've only seen it once, but I have to watch it again. Definitely merits a rewatch. I've seen Gladiator tons of times. It's one of my favorite movies. I feel like it doesn't really get talked about enough when people talk about like the great movies. I don't know if I'm wrong on this, Matt, but I don't hear that many people say like Gladiator is one of my favorite movies. Maybe it just is for me, but I don't know. No, you're right. It's it's almost forgotten, but. Maybe people don't think it aged that well, or they think it's too long, or it's a historical epic, and those don't get talked about that much, anyways. So, but uh, let's—I'm just gonna say, Joaquin Phoenix, another great performance, and this was like 20, literally 20 years ago. So, you can see even yeah, back then he was a long great. Long time ago. Yeah. Okay, my number four. Let's do it. Yeah. My number four is a character played by three-time Academy Award winner Daniel Day-Lewis in Gangs of New York, Bill the Butcher. So, so every time Daniel... Every time he's on screen, I'm glued to the screen. Everything he says is gold. The way he says it, his look, the way he like, like when he's killing people or getting information and just he just he puts on an acting clinic basically and daniel day lewis is arguably like the best actor of all time so he can do no wrong oh. and it he makes gangs of new york it's not the uh, scorsese's best movie but he's like extremely memorable and the reason to watch that movie eric have you seen that movie i have not um over okay. two so far on your picks but i've heard of the movie obviously there but um Sad to say that I haven't seen this movie. No, I'll add it to this list. Like I said, I'm upset because I was going to watch it last week. And if I'd watched it, I could relate to what you're saying right now. But definitely worth watching the movie just for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right on. So my number four character is someone that I feel like will be much higher on your guys' list. But I put him at number four. It's uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. Wow. His character is extremely iconic, chaotic, just um, controls the screen every time he's on screen. And I like how there's a lot left to the imagination as far as 
what his backstory is in this movie. We just see him insert himself in Gotham City from the opening scene, which in my opinion is one of the all-time opening scenes in a movie. I don't know about you guys, but every time the movie starts, I always look for that window to see where they're going to pop out of. Um, actually seen that building, not a big deal, been to Chicago, so what up? And um, yeah, I think it's a, he's just an all-time character, all-time villain. Um, and like I was saying about his backstory there, we're left to wonder what led him to become this character. I mean, he kind of hints at his background in that he was he um, received a lot of trauma as a young Arthur Fleck. Um, and we're left to imagine that he probably did endure these um, situations with his mother and his father into how he got his scars, among other traumatic incidents. So we just see him as a full-fledged villain who wants to turn Gotham City upside down. And all the while, he is likable. He's finally a, a foe that really goes toe-to-toe with Batman and that Batman just can't get rid of, like we see in the last scene. And... Yeah, I think he's just... I mean, I'm sure you guys are going to speak more to him later on there, so I think I'll leave it at that. One of my scenes that I like a lot, which I feel like is a little... Just a very minor scene, underrated in my opinion, is when he's in the hospital with Harvey Dent, and he's um, like getting him to basically either kill him or let him live based on the coin flip, and just the delivery by the Joker when he says... Um, when Joker Harvey Dent says, heads you live tails you die and then joker goes oh now we're talking we just get the, an insight on how crazy he is like he lives for moments like this whereas if we were in that situation we'd be shitting ourselves just praying for heads so he's a character like none other the control he has over all the characters i know i said i was done but i guess i'm not um over all the characters in the movie like the mob and how he gets harvey dent to become a villain two-face incredible character that's my number four, which, based on your reaction, Basam is not giving him enough praise. But that's uh, it's my it's my no, opinion. No, no, that's it's good. A lot of very very solid points. I'm excited to hear your top three now. Um, Heath Ledger is honestly the only I have controver- controversial views on Dark Knight, and honestly, Heath Ledger is the only thing worth watching in that movie, in my opinion, and he is great in it. Uh, but I have weird thoughts on Dark Knight, so we're not going to okay, get into that so right now. Maybe we'll he's save only it on for, the uh, Sam's list. Save it for after. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> he is great in that movie. I'm not saying. I'm just saying that movie is way overrated. Hmm. Way overrated. Some bold statements, man. But that's like, I'm saying overrated. It's still like an, a great movie, but it, it doesn't belong in like top 20 best movies ever made in IMDb's top list or. It has a really high score, I find. So right because of Heath Ledger, but the rest of the movie that's doesn't match. That's maybe sometimes Heath all it takes for a movie to yeah. make top twenty is one character. Yeah. But like we're talking like, like you said, Gangs of New York, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, time for number three. Yep. Let's keep her yep. going. Uh, my number three is Calvin Candy. Oh, nice from Django Unchained. I like it. Yeah. I'm liking these reactions. So, uh, <laughs> played by Leonardo DiCaprio, one of my favorite roles of his. Again, uh, he demolished that role. Uh, so, it, most of your audience has probably seen Django and Chain, but if not, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays a uh, slave owner 
back in the slave trade era of America. Um, and his whole goal is to acquire the most slaves so he be he can become the most powerful and richest slave owner. Uh, some of his characteristics, which I loved, um, he's very charismatic uh, and charming, I would say. I don't know if you guys agree, but um, uh, he's like sort of an extravagant slave owner because his whole plantation is called Candyland. And to be honest, I've watched the movie a few times and this is like... I don't know if I could say this, but Candyland doesn't look that bad. Right. Well, I think, anyways. Uh, yeah, it it doesn't look. I don't want want to say it looks fun because it doesn't look fun, but I don't know. <laughs> this is this is awful, but this shows you how much Leo killed that role for me. Uh, yeah, so he comes off as like a smart character, but plays he plays it like he's smart, but in reality he's not very smart because um he claims to know french because he he likes to be called monsieur but you end up finding out that he doesn't know any french uh you also uh get the sense that he doesn't know how to read or write uh so he kind of has this like um great vocabulary maybe based off of experience but uh i don't know he's one of those characters that I don't love to hate. I just kind of like him as a whole. He's pinned as the villain in the movie, the antagonist. But um, yeah, I don't know. Leo did something for me in that movie. Great pick. I think it's interesting that you said that it, they make it look like it's a fun place. And that's probably the point. Is they that do. It, it mirrors, it's just not. It just mirrors what's actually going on. Like it looks like this great. This is the place to be. But we know what's going on inside that house, right? So that's a, that's a great point right. that you made. I never even thought of that. I also love the fact like Leo played against his usual roles. Like he played a villain and it, he was amazing mm -hmm. in that movie. So great pick. I didn't even consider, I, I guess I forgot to think about Tarantino movies, but didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. yeah. Pick. Is that the only movie that off the top of your head that he plays a villain like that or just a villain in general? Like he's kind of uh, a villain great, in Wolf uh, of Wall Street, but I'll get back to you on that one. I'll think about it. No, great pick. So my number three? Yeah. yeah. Okay, my number three is Norman Bates from Psycho. Um, from the original 1960. Um, every time I watch Psycho, every time Norman's on screen, his dialogue is fantastic. The acting by Anthony Perkins is amazing. And he's the creepiest character ever. If you don't know like the twist at the end of the movie already like when you're watching you're not sure what's going on is he is he good is he bad i mean you know he, something's up with them uh, but you just don't know what yet and it's well psycho is just like one of the best movies ever made and it's because of norman bates's character uh portrayed by anthony perkins so have you guys seen psycho uh yes i saw it once sorry when you said i automatically thought of american psycho then realized what you were talking about i saw it once a long time ago it has that like famous shower scene right yep absolutely yeah. i don't really yeah. remember too much about it okay. but uh no i just i've seen psycho a bunch of times and he's just commanding presence on screen like every time norman bates is on the screen you're you kind of sympathize with him and you kind of hate him and 
you go through all the emotions. So I had to include them on my list. And I think those are some mm-hmm. of the greatest villains too. When you can, when you're able to sympathize with them, that's a, a job well done by the, the director, right? The writers. So I have not seen Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, or American Psycho. <laughs> you haven't seen American Psycho. Oh. American Psycho is a masterpiece. It's great. It is. Yeah. Is it better than Psycho? Come on, Patrick Eric. Bateman. What, sorry? I said, Patrick come on, Bateman, Eric. The main I know, I'm slacking. Every time I'm on here with you two there, it always makes me look bad, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> I can be the black sheep. Marcus Aurelius. There we go. So my number three is a character that has been brought up multiple times on this pod. I think we're all big fans of this character. It's the Mad Titan, my boy Thanos. The most fleshed out villain in the MCU, in my opinion, in his full feature film debut in Infinity Wars, which was my pick of number of 2018. He just commands the screen, like I've already said multiple times. An amazing character that you do sympathize with. You understand his cause, even though it might seem radical to have half of humanity, of all beings, be exterminated in one snap. So it's incredible that you're able to relate to him and understand what he's talking about. And I think that's what makes him the greatest villain in MCU, in the MCU um, cinematic, anyways, MCU, because his cause makes sense. Whereas we've seen villains like a Malekith, for example, who just wants to destroy the the world because we don't know. So it's good to get, and he was also a villain that was really built up and... There were high expectations for him, and we were, they were able to make him a relatable villain that we, you kind of root for, even though you don't, but you kind of do, because I wanted him to get all the stones in Infinity Wars. He's the main character in that movie. Even though you're supposed to be cheering for the protagonist, the Avengers that we've seen across the last 20-some films at that point, you still kind of can't help but want Thanos to win I don't know if that's crazy to say but like I said I'm big villain guy so seeing Thanos just add to that gauntlet was just really cool to see with all the amazing fight scenes intertwined in all the while Josh Brolin did an amazing job bringing that character to life I think his short scene in Gardens of the Galaxy 1 was all right and they really made him much better in Infinity Wars and more um, they kind of made him seem like I don't know about immature, but they, I didn't think that they would make him as understandable as they did in this one. You kind of feel bad for him when Gamora dies, when he has to sacrifice his favorite daughter to get the Soul Stone. So, um, yeah, that's uh, my number three pick, Thanos. Solid, solid three yeah, pick. Thanks. Like, extremely solid. He's the reason why Infinity War is like the perfect superhero movie, in my opinion. It's like the best one because of Thanos and his point of view. Like you're following his point of view. So So I don't know if you guys have like Loki or Killmonger on your list there, but those are often guys that are ranked as the top three villains in the MCU. And I was looking up lists of MCU villains the other day and they had Loki and Killmonger as one, two, Thanos at four. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Is that disgraceful or like there is, I think there's a case for Loki because he comes 
He appears in multiple movies and he does have a good backstory. You kind of feel for him as well. So he checks a lot of boxes and the act Tom Hiddleston is phenomenal as Loki. But for me, it was just Thanos is just cooler and um, more terrifying than Loki as well. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. You realize that all those characters have something in common. It's that like, not as yes, I would say trauma growing up or like some sort of history that fuels them to do this sort of thing. Like Loki, uh, he finds out that he's a frost giant and he's again the black sheep, Killmonger. His dad was clapped in front of him by his uncle, type of thing, you know. Uh, so yeah, a lot of other characters and uh, villains in Marvel universe are kind of they don't really have much depth. I would say. They're kind of just villains to be villains. But uh, I agree with you. This Eric. list also had Mandarin as number five. So I don't know what you think about that. But <laughs> kind of <laughs> takes away from the legitimacy of whoever wrote that article. Yeah. They had Whiplash at number it 28, really though. So I think they got that right. <laughs> okay. Whiplash at 28 is good. Mandarin at five is maybe it was a mistake. That's horrible. Yeah. End, but... Ugh. So we go on to number two. Your number two, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number two is Eric's number four. Okay. Uh, Joker. So I picked two two Jokers, two versions of the Jokers. I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, so I'm going to just talk about Joker as a whole. So I feel like before, I haven't watched much of the old Jokers in the past before Heath, Heath's version. But uh, Heath's version of the Joker uh, made me love him as a uh, just a villain because he was chaotic just to be chaotic. Chaos on top of chaos. Uh, I, I would say like the best best portrayal of a psychopath in cinema. Um, there isn't much depth to that Joker. Again, because like he, he hints on having trauma in the past. He talks about it a little bit. Like, I want to know how I got these scars. A couple different stories there, but you know it's probably one of one of them's true. Um, so Heath's version, I like in that sense. Also because, I don't know, his facial expressions in that movie as well are really powerful when he's going on his rants. His voice, like he practiced that voice for so long, I was reading. Maybe a lot of people argue that it caused him to kill himself. But yeah, that's another story. Uh, so his version made me love him, the Joker, as a, as a villain. Uh, Joaquin's version made me love the Joker as a human, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So they really, they really tell you how he was brought up, like... What sparked him to do all these sort of things? Mental disability, his his life at home, his trauma at work, and and all this stuff. Um, yeah, so I'm going to put Joker on my two because of those two specific actors and the way they made me kind of, I don't know, like them. Good, uh, good analysis on the differences between the two. Um, how you get the backstory in Joker and where we see the full-fledged chaotic, just wilder Joker. And like I, 
like you said, the facial expressions, like the like just craziness of Heath is Heath's Joker are very different to um, the Arthur Fleck we see in Joker or the Joker, um, where he has like laughing spasms and they touched more on the mental health aspect of it. So, Matt, I know you're a, a huge fan of the Joker. I think we all were. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's a great answer. Like, cause th- those two actors playing Joker, like would create the perfect Joker. I find like you, you got the backstory and then you got Heath actually doing Joker things. Like, so it's perfect. And I would have Joker on my list, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, but like, I'm just upset with everyone loving Dark Knight that much. I, it's very personal. It's stupid, but I just have a thing against Dark Knight. Oh, there's no better time to get into it than now. So, I mean, I think Bassam and I are uh, both big Dark the Dark Knight fans. It's a one of the best superhero movies, in my opinion. It, one of the best mm-hmm. trilogies, in my no, opinion, but, to begin with. Okay, it one of the best superhero movies ever. Okay, everyone, I hate when people are like, it's the best movie ever made. It's my favorite I have a problem when people say it's their favorite movie ever because I'm like, I just attached that superhero before that because I find like there's, I don't, it's very personal. But I find there's so much better movies than Dark Knight. So if it's your favorite one, then you haven't been really watching anything else. I would think saying it's one of the best trilogies, like Eric was saying, it is. It's a great trilogy as a as a three mm-hmm. package deal type of thing. But I guess just pinpointing dark knight by itself as the best movie ever made is kind of blasphemous and i think most people who do say that are people that through like no fault of their own haven't seen other movies that you would consider to be the best of all time right that's all comes down to preferences too right some people i don't know not everyone not everyone can sit through a z i don't know yeah i'm being very judge uh what's the word like not a hypocrite but uh like, I think my opinion matters more than others, right? Like, I'm saying, oh, that can't be your favorite when it's all subjective exactly. anyway. So, I am kind of being an ass. But, uh, well, moving on to my number two. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So, okay, my my, my my last two are villains I absolutely love. Okay. Like, my two favorite. Like, I love these two. Okay, the number two is Darth Vader. Nice. Uh, even like when I was a little kid, I loved him. I love him now. I love every, every time he's brought up in a TV show or anything. Like I got to go watch that, which is why I watched star Wars rebels for it. Uh, FYI. Okay. So, so he's in rebels um, a lot more. He is in rebels. Yeah. That's when I found that out, I had to go watch it. That's cool. Um, but let's bring it back to new hope. Darth Vader's entrance in that movie is sin- like, iconic yep. and like his voice when he list picks the guy up and he's like holding him above the ground and you see like holy shit who is this guy yeah and his like lightsaber his red lightsaber and when he's fighting and everything about darth vader i love uh what are your guys's thoughts yeah i agree 100 percent. i grew up with yeah. star wars and it, there's a nostalgia factor and from the moment i saw him as a kid he was the coolest character on screen to me still is right every like you said whenever he shows up like i just saw the fin- the clone wars finale last mm. week his little little cameo at the end there was to me the best scene of the episode and that was a nothing scene that's just how iconic darth vader is and um yeah 
all-time villain. Just leave it at that for now. Huh. I, I was, as you guys know, I had a very, very late entry into the Star Wars universe. So Darth Vader doesn't really hit home with me as much as you guys, I would say. I do think he is a really cool villain, but uh, not on my top five. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I like as far back as I can remember, he's always existed. Like I don't remember a time where I didn't know who Darth Vader mm-hmm. was. So he's got to be on my list. Same yeah. here. Yeah. So happy my parents introduced me to Star Wars when I was young, like really young. It's actually pretty irresponsible, but whatever. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, right, and for Eric's number two. So my number two is not Darth Vader, but it's another character that I grew up with that I love a lot and actually caused me to buy this 50-pound wand, which is from oh. my boy, <laughs> oh, no, man. Lord Voldemort from the Harry Potter universe. He terrified me as a kid. And when I say as a kid, I mean when he came back to life in 2005 in Goblet of Fire. And when he was on Professor Quirrell's head, among other times. That was so scary. when I was a kid, Voldemort just always scared the shit out of me. And as I grew up out of those fears, I came to see him as just a super impressive, cool, scary villain. That while I don't necessarily root for him... In the movies, I think he's a much better character than Harry Potter, which makes his final scene where he dies against Harry disappointing to me in that they didn't give him the send-off I think he deserved. I would have liked to see a much better wand battle between the two. I digress. So, I think he who must not be named is just an impressive character that just wants to be the greatest wizard of all time. And like I talked about earlier in the, at the start of this episode, that he gives in to his dark desires, whereas other characters didn't like Dumbledore easily and is still looked at as the greatest wizard of all time, despite not having achieved many of the things that Voldemort has by delving into the dark arts, people still revere Dumbledore. And that just irks Voldemort even more and fuels him to the greater lengths to become the greatest wizard of all time, hunting for the Deathly Hollows, for example. But he really just wants the Elder Wand because he wants power. Now, Bassan, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Harry Potter, if I'm speaking gibberish right now, but... No, no, I've seen I've seen the Harry Potters okay. all, twice, I think, all of them. Sorry for questioning your Harry Potter knowledge there. I'll edit this <laughs> No, out. it's all good. But um, all this to say, I absolutely love Voldemort. Um, his battle with Dumbledore in Order of the Phoenix is one of my favorites. It's probably is my favorite scene, fight scene in the um, Harry Potter universe. I hope to see, this is kind of an aside there, but I hope to see a great duel between a young Dumbledore and Grindelwald in the uh, crimes in the um, Fantastic Beasts movies. But that's kind of irrelevant. But also related to how much I like Voldemort in that I love Grindelwald has been my favorite character in those two movies. So it just goes to show that I think Dark Wizards in the Harry Potter world are much cooler. Is there nothing more intimidating or scary than Voldemort's Vodakadavra? You know what I'm saying? So I'm just I'm just a Voldemort stan. I've been a fan. I love how you Watch brought he, the wand. Yeah, you know, the wand, it's a great uh, party trick. You know, people love the wand. And, uh, oh god 
And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I was scared of Voldemort when I was a kid. And now um, we don't get enough of him, in my opinion, in throughout those eight movies. He's not in the third movie. That's the only one he does make an appearance in somehow. And I love how they expand on his backstory as well in the movies. Like Matt and I talked about in the last episode, they touch on it a lot more in the books with his memories and finding out a lot more about his past. But I think they did a great job in those movies. And I think I've gone on for quite some time. Voldemort number two. Let's go. Very, very solid pick. Um the the one thing I love the most about Voldemort is how much like backstory backstory we, we get on him and like we understand his motives and why like what you said basically and I love the fact that we get so much depth on his character and we understand him so yeah for me it's uh, similar to Star Wars as Darth Vader I think it's because of my late entries into these film world these sorry uh, sagas. That I binge them, um, and I don't really have time to appreciate these characters. Like Eric, for example, being scared of Voldemort since he was a kid. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't have those experiences, right? So those obviously impact your. You put him at number two, so I, I kind of thought because I binged it, binged the whole series, like right at one after another, I thought he was kind of a weak character at the end. I don't know. Maybe maybe my opinion's meaningless, but uh, it is. But um, yes, no, no, your opinion's never meaningless. <laughs> he was kind wow. of a weak, bad guy. Like Harry, he Harry does right kind of just work him a lot, right? Like yeah. he never really. It's true, but you do see him have his reign of terror, and the I think the the time that he's at his prime really is all before these movies. But his right. based on his reputation. He is that much of an impressive character. The only reason that he isn't able to be as powerful as he once was is because there's this character always thwarting him, and that is Harry. And there's also Dumbledore around that kind of just um, mitigates his strength. Okay. And and one one thing, what I read the books before I ever saw him on screen. So when I'm reading the book, you're building an image of like what is he gonna look like? How's he gonna act? Mm-hmm. And then when when they introduced them like fully in Goblet of Fire, it did not disappoint. It was great, great casting too. Uh, Ray Fiennes playing him, so no spectacular uh, job and great pick, Eric. But Good I would pick, agree, Bissam, that like you said, it's a great point that you not growing up with this movie affected your um, ability. Yeah, to- all those sort of like experiences like matt was saying read the books and built this image of him and then he saw him like all that adds on to your your love of the character right so for sure for sure so for my number one i think you guys know what my number one is uh based off of my last appearances on the pod but uh i pick thanos let's go as my number one and uh for this one i can say that i do have those sort of experience of this experience of watching the whole universe from 2008 right so the whole buildup of thanos and uh you kind of knew what was coming because me i have a cousin who is super into marvel comics so he would always kind of give me little tips and hints on what's coming next and thanos is being built up so i had this big image of thanos as well uh the, the type of character he is though like you said eric um i've rooted for him the whole way through uh, yeah. So he was one of those characters that you love to love, 
even though he was a villain. Uh, again, he had this huge buildup, and Josh Brolin, I think, did very did a very good job with him because of. I kind of liked how Thanos was very soft spoken. I don't know if you guys agree with me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, very knowledgeable and intelligent character. Um, kind of seems like a someone you should you should you have to respect in a sense. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he cares about something much bigger than himself, right? So he doesn't want power for just sake of having power. He has this cause, even though it's giant, like, even though it's genocide, saying, <laughs> saying that lightly, but yeah, it's a movie. Um, yeah, so he doesn't care about power, and you know he doesn't care about power, because when he accomplishes his goal of wiping out half the universe, he goes off to his garden in peace by himself you know he's not out there flaunting his himself you know um he's just a boss i don't know i i loved every yep. aspect about thanos i watched infinity war 12 times like <laughs> it's just uh yeah thanos is my number one i mean he didn't make my list but like that's i had too many other ones i wanted to put up before him I knew he'd be brought up, basically. I knew you guys would bring him up so I could talk about him. Um, like I said before, he's in the best superhero movie. He's, he makes, he's the reason why Infinity War is the best superhero movie ever made. Um, I love the fact that he's not, like, he doesn't do nothing, anything for nothing. Like, he's not an anarchist who just wants to cause trouble mm-hmm. for no reason. He, him, it's like, the, the means justify the end. And he's got his end game, his goal, and he's sticking to it, and he's he has extreme resolve to do this and you gotta like he has he's you gotta like admire what he's trying to do in a way uh right even though like our main characters don't see that side of the coin he's super resolved to do what he thinks is right yeah well said he's a very solid pick yep he's a prophet and like you said basan Mm -hmm. once his um mission is complete basically just goes off and is has accepted death willingly with a smile actually just gets decapitated mm-hmm. and takes it like a boss even in death <laughs> so um and yeah we see in endgame that years after his death his mission has been successful but then they go back in time and just undo everything he did so that kind of sucks but anyways um <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanos great pick could have been higher for me but I think my, my next pick, anyways, you'll see it's obvious why I couldn't put Thanos ahead of even a weaker character in Voldemort. Bastard. But anyways, <laughs> that there's the nostalgia and attachment to the characters. Like, Thanos has only been in That's my life thing. since, like, circa 2012 when he turned around on that random moon that he's on, right? The end of Avengers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's, again, like you said, the nostalgia factor for it. And I don't have that nostalgia with some other characters that you guys are talking about right so slim pickings for me and i haven't watched as many movies as matt so so what about when you were younger though like i want to list some other characters later on but are there some other characters that you grew up with any villains that you have an attachment to that or not really and i'm putting you on the spot here. man the thing is like the the movies i used to watch when i was younger like they're awful movies, but when I was a kid, it's like it's that thing where you should leave these thing, these memories, leave them mm-hmm. as memories. Um, I don't even know if you guys will know what I'm talking about. You, do you know the movie uh, Three Ninjas? Yeah, 
I've seen all of those. Nope. Hilarious. Okay, so the uh, the first one, my mm-hmm. dad had uh, gotten me the cassette for it, and I, I, I maybe watched that movie 50 times growing up. I just re- put it on repeat. So off the top of my head, I'm going to pick Snyder from Three Ninjas as a nostalgic villain, but... If you go back and watch it now, it's a sh- it's the worst movie you could possibly watch. He had like a ponytail, right? And he was like, "Yeah, he was just." Yeah. I, me and my sister rented those movies all the time. Yeah, yeah, we liked it back then, but now it's garbage. You're right. <laughs> exactly. So it's something you like back then. I was mm. never in the whole Harry Potter or, or Star Wars scene was when I was a kid, to be honest. So I know that's very good. Uh... Good reference there that you brought back and good answer thinking on your feet like that. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, what's your number one? Yeah. Okay. Okay, my number one and is only above Darth Vader because Darth Vader is wearing a helmet. You don't get to see his face and his expressions. Okay, my number one is Hannibal Lecter. Specifically, Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. I watch that movie constantly. It's... All his, I can almost quote all his lines because he's not—he's on screen for maybe thirty minutes tops, and a magical performance. Like everything is great about Anthony Hopkins playing that character, and he's been played by other actors, but Hopkins does it the best. And it's like, to me, it's like almost a perfect movie, and he just makes it that much better. So, yeah, Hannibal Lecter. Have you seen any of you seen the movie? I, I have seen Silence of the Lambs, and uh, the only thing I can think of right now is when he's in the cage and, and kind of how eerie and, I don't know. He, he, no, he's for sure a dope villain. Um, again, these are movies that I've watched once or twice, so that's the thing. they're great. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't have as much as an appreciation of these guys as you do. I should, though. Silence of the Lambs, I've only seen, I think, three times, to be honest. But while I love, love Hannibal Lecter, I haven't seen it enough to put him in my top five. I do think he's one of the GOAT villains of all time. And he's my favorite character by far in that movie. I think, like you said, I don't know all the quotes by heart. But every time I've seen it, his lines all kill me. Like, quip pro crow clarice or whatever however it is there yeah um, how he pronounces every word like the first shot of the first shot of him in the movie he's just he's just standing there in his uh prison like just staring at clarice like and he doesn't even blink the whole movie like he's like a total psycho but like i've also seen the hannibal tv show and all the four other movies that the character is in so i'm encompassing like all the hannibal stuff i've seen and it's just a great character a great villain we can talk. I'll talk about him like briefly with the TV show villain uh, when we do that another time. And but the Anthony Hopkins does it the best. And so yeah, who's that's the, my number uh, one? In Silence of the Lambs, I forget uh, there was a copycat in that, right? So they were following another plot with uh, that guy who had the girl in his basement. It's Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill. Yeah, correct. Also a great okay. villain. They're not. He's not necessarily a copycat. He's just. He, th- they think like he's uh, corresponding with Hannibal Lecter, okay. or Hannibal Lecter is corresponding with Buffalo Bill, actually. So, okay, there's a connection. I've seen uh, Red Dragon and Hannibal only once. They're yeah. obviously not as good as Silence of the Lambs are, but I liked Red Dragon. Thought it was a pretty solid movie. Ray Fiennes was the uh, the villain there. I forget his name, mm-hmm. but once you say it, I'll remember. 
Mm-hmm. A tooth fairy killer? Yeah. yeah. But no, what's his real name, Francis though? Francis Dollarhide. Francis Dollarhide? Yeah, Dollarhide, yeah. Yeah, like when when you first introduced the idea of top five villain, I knew 100% Hannibal Lecter was going to be my number one. Like that, no hesitation. Mm-hmm. So Same here with that's Thanos. That's why he's number one. So my number one is has already been brought up. He was Matt's number two character I grew up with. Like Matt, I've already said... I talked about him a little already. It's uh, Darth Vader, of course. The most, in my opinion, most iconic villain in cinema. Everyone knows Darth mm-hmm. Vader. That's not why he's my number one. It's like I said, I grew up with him. I think he's just, since I was a kid, as far as I can remember, like you, Matt, I don't remember a time not knowing and loving Darth Vader. Intimidating, awesome, powerful. Never scared me, though. Like Not like Voldemort. He was just a character I just always loved. And lightsabers in general, to me, were and probably still are the coolest form of fighting on screen. And especially in Empire Strikes Back there, where the fighting choreography was much better than in New Hope. I found that his character really took a step forward. And then finding out that he was our protagonist's father was mind-blowing, I think, as it was to everyone at that time. So, yeah. Uh, Darth Vader, like we've already said, every time he's on screen, he captivates your attention. His fight, the hallway scene in Rogue One is the cool, the coolest scene with Vader, uh, with Anakin as Darth Vader on screen. But then I'm so happy that also grew up with these movies, the prequels, that they showed us how Anakin was growing up. And I, when I was younger, I loved Hayden Christensen as Anakin, I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> to me, he was just a sick character. And especially in Revenge of the Sith, where we see him at the height of his power pre-Vader suit, which definitely reduces his fighting abilities to uh, by a lot. Where that fight scene with Obi-Wan, I've said multiple times, is my favorite fight scene in the Star Wars saga. And um, I wish they'd done more of that in the sequel trilogy there, but that's irrelevant right now. But yeah, and then his character is a tragic hero as well. Just a tragic character where he was supposed to be the one that brings balance to the force. Be the, he is the chosen one. But then actually there's, um, I can't take full credit for this there, but there's a docu-series on Disney Plus that does a behind the scenes at The Mandalorian, which I definitely recommend you watch because Dave Filoni in episode two, who's um, like one of the head guys at um, Disney now, I guess, for Lucasfilm, gave this breakdown of what the most important scene in the Star Wars saga was. And in his opinion, it was the Duel of the Fates, which is called that because the fight between Qui-Gon Jinn and Darth Maul is literally the most important scene in the whole saga because that determined whether Anakin would turn to the dark side or stay in the light. Should Qui-Gon come out victorious and slay the evil which is represented in Darth Maul, um, Anakin would have had a father figure, would have been steered down the right path, and would not have turned to the dark. Maybe he would have been tempted, but he would have had someone at least to show him the way and steer him back to the light. But as we all know, evil prevailed in that in that moment. Although Darth Maul seemingly died in that scene, Anakin was left without a father, had a brother in Obi-Wan who could not become the father figure that Qui-Gon would have been as exemplified in Revenge of the Sith, where he says, you were a brother to me, not a fa- not a son. 
And yeah, that's just an extremely sad scene to begin with because we lose an awesome character in Qui-Gon, but Anakin is doomed from that moment on. That's it. I can't take credit for that, but I thought that was an amazing analogy, which he expands on a lot. So I definitely recommend that scene. So yeah, anyways, tragic character. He lost his, never had a father really, but in the, in his final moment, his redemption arc is complete when he can save his son, Luke, from the Emperor and his story comes full circle. He becomes the father that he never had. Restores balance to the force. Tragic character, Darth Vader, number one. Wow. Well hmm. said. And Very I just watched well that, episode, that uh, behind the scenes this morning. So it's you're repeating exactly what I heard like two hours ago. It's, yeah. Dave Filoni explained it beautifully. Yeah. He explained it beautifully. And everyone at the table, Basam, you should you should watch this docu-series. Everyone was just hooked on what this guy was saying. They're looking at him like he's a god. Mm. So yeah, Vader. Great pick. And I'm looking forward to watching Star and, and, Wars Rebels. Yeah, you should eventually because Vader's in it. Worth it just for that. And that just speaks to how incredible his character is that anything that Darth Vader is in is something not only a Star Wars fan should watch but basically anyone should watch because he's such an iconic character do we have some uh, top villains from the audience from the listeners yes so a lot of people wrote in so thank you very much to everyone who gave answers a lot of them have been listed already there they've been brought up but there's actually a few that I thought were going to be in Especially Basam, I thought this character would have been in your top five. So I just want to give, give credit to everyone who wrote in this answer. So I'll start off with the homie Curtis, alumni on the pod, two-time guest. So he had Heath, Heath's Joker, so we've touched on him a lot already. But his second submission was Hans Landa hmm. from Inglorious Bastards. That's a good pick. I think he's a great villain. That's a great Extremely pick. complex. Yeah. And then actually, I think Gus also wrote in his character, just to give him credit as well. So yeah, what are your thoughts on Christoph his character? But Sam, I know you're a big fan. Yeah, I, I like Christoph Waltz a lot in both Django and Inglorious Bastards. Um, I have to watch Inglorious Bastards again. I've only seen it once, but... Uh, wow. Yeah, no, I've it just yeah, I've only seen it once. It has like one of the best opening scenes in movie history I've heard. Tension building at its finest. Say that, right? Um, I don't know. I don't have much to say on that. I have to watch it again. I I do remember really liking him in that movie though. Like he's fluent in Italian, and I like those scenes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great scene. No, I can't can't say anything argue anything it's a it's a great pick and uh an even better performance like oscar he won an oscar enough said yep so goose also on the same topic there he submitted joaquin phoenix and gladiator good pick and his other character was denzel washington's character in training day that's a good pick i forget his character the character's name but i've only seen training day once but i loved his character such a good I forget his name as well. I'll remember it. It's uh shit. King Kong okay, I can't remember right shit now. on me. Shit on me. Yeah. Yeah. All time. Uh let me tell you what his name is. Uh Detective Alonzo. Alonzo. Okay. Something Alonzo. Alonzo, I guess. Yeah. Alonzo Ball. Yeah, he won an Oscar for that movie, actually. Mm-hmm. 
as a payback for not winning for other good stuff too. Um, training days, Denzel makes that movie. Like everything his character says is just gold and you don't know what's, you don't know what the end game is when you're watching the beginning. And then when it all ties in, in the end, you're like, holy shit, he's a good, like, he's a good villain. Yeah. yeah. Meets his fate at the end. Turned into Swiss cheese, but. <laughs> yeah. So another one we got, we actually discussed him a few episodes ago, Matt, was from my uncle, Denis Deschamps. He wrote in Le Chiffre from Casino Royale. Solid pick. I didn't even think of any Bond villains because, I don't know, I just didn't even cross my mind. But uh, if you were going to pick one, he'd be the one, I believe. But Sam? Because. Uh, I've, nev- I've never seen Casino Wow, that's a cr- great movie, man. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. I haven't seen Matrix, <laughs> so it's all good. Um. So I'll comment on the shift. So Matt, when we last spoke about me having seen Casino Royale and was going to watch Skyfall next, I actually watched it, I think, a few days later. And my opinion has has shifted on who the greater villain is between Le Chiffre and Raul Silva in Skyfall, who I actually think is a greater villain. Because his motivations are, I think, much more relatable in that... He was screwed over by M and it's much more personal. Whereas while I did, while I did and do praise Le Chiffre's villainous character, we don't really understand what motivates him. And for that reason, we don't really have a reason to care for him either. It's a great movie and I love the villain, but I think Raul Silva um, is just a much more, a crazier villain. He is more power. I want to say than Le Chiffre. You don't know what his next move is, and you know that when he gets captured, it's willingly, on his own terms, that he got captured by MI6. And I think, while I I still prefer Casino Royale to Skyfall, I think Raul Silva is a greater villain. And the final scene in that movie is amazing. In them in at Skyfall, essentially, there the house Bond grew up in, or his parents' house, amazing. So um, I haven't seen Spectre, and apparently Christoph Waltz's villain is rated as one of the greatest villains in the Bond franchise. That's on another list I saw. might have been the same wow. Mandarin um, author, so I'll be the judge. But that's those are my thoughts on those two Bond villains. Yeah, the reason Christoph Waltz is named as the greatest Bond villain is he plays, like, I don't know if it's a yes, spoiler for you, know. but he I plays it. Oh, okay, okay. There's a reason why. I know nothing of Spectre. I won't say. Okay. But, like, there's tie-ins to other Bond movies. That's all I'm going to okay. say. Um, have you seen Skyfall, Basim? No. Can I say something? I haven't seen a single Bond movie ever. Okay. Yeah, fair uh, enough. I'm a big fan yeah. of the Bond franchise. It's a solid one. No, I have nothing against them. I just haven't gotten to it yet. No, it's all good. I yeah, wasn't scolding. I will for sure. Um, getting back at me for the matrix maybe i don't know yeah yeah kind of um actually surprising i just want to say before we get to the next um honorable mention or submission from people i thought anton sugar was going to be on your list matt yo anton sugar is an honorable mention he is also an honorable mention for me okay yeah so the next one was from our cousin dylan i don't know if you saw this matt he commented on the post is 
I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Phoenix Buchanan from Paddington 2. Have either of you seen this movie? Yeah, it's great. What is that? I want to say it's an animated movie. The movie with the bear? It's a a cartoon. It's a movie? Yeah, so Paddington 1 and 2, both great family fun movies like i'm not even like really really well done and everything i just i didn't include any like disney or family or animated villains on my list i didn't but, even no, know paddington they made... one and two are i i didn't but i didn't think they'd be good but then he told me to watch them i watch them he, i agree that they're very good movies are they animated very, very I, I thought i never knew they were movies i thought they were just series a tv series they're not animated only like only the bear is animated but like they're family oh. movies. Yeah, I didn't know they made those. <laughs> Thank you for that submission, Dill. The next one is actually from Dylan's dad, our uncle Pat. Shout out Hoisters. So his his submission was the best villains are the ones you don't understand. Two examples that come immediately to mind are Tony Perkins in Psycho and Hal in two thousand one A Space Odyssey. Thoughts, boys? Which psycho? Well, but Sam, have you seen 2001: A Space Odyssey? I have not. No. I tried watching it. I How's just a computer? didn't know what I. I think I watched like 40 minutes of it and did not know what was going on and just turned it off. Okay, so uh, I mean, I can't. I have. To, I couldn't agree more with Tony Perkins, who plays Norman Bates in Psycho. Like, we both agree on that 100. percent the Hal, who is a computer AI, the artificial intelligence system that controls the ship, basically turns on our main characters and becomes evil. But you don't, there's speculations as to why, and there's a lot of debate. So that's why he's saying not understanding. Uh, it's a very, it's a very interesting pick because it's not, it's a thing, not, it's not a human being, right? So, no, it's very interesting. Didn't even consider anything other than humans. So, I don't know. He's technically a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he actually had another submission today. So Colonel Kurtz is another example of the can't understand factor, which I think contributes to a successful and effective villain. So Colonel Kurtz is from Apocalypse Now. I believe it's our uncle's favorite movie of all time, so I'm not surprised he mm-hmm. submitted Colonel Kurtz. I think he's also a great villain, very mysterious um apocalypse now is a great movie I've, I've seen it a few times years ago would merit a rewatch i think it's on netflix right now actually and um yeah we're just in some uh, mysterious mis- mystical i guess forest landscape in vietnam and we're, we're at the end we finally meet this mythological colonel, colonel kurtz who has taken control of a um a civilization a mayan civilization i want to say and um, yeah, has become some sort of tribal leader, and you don't fully understand his philos, philo, philos, philo, Oh my god! Philosophical like reasons why Thank he's doing you, it. Um, yeah. By this point, people might have tuned out, so pick. I can be okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, his philosophical uh, ways of thinking, and yeah, I think he's a great villain, played by Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Apocalypse? Very solid pick. <laughs> no, I haven't seen Apocalypse now. Let's go. There are all these uh, honorable, uh, sorry, all these uh, fan uh, uh, 
fan villains and i haven't seen the movies so i think this one you should have seen is from also now pat's daughter and dylan's sister other friend of the podcast three-time guest sarah she wrote in well we've already we've discussed heath ledger but her second one was kylo ren i like that he's a bad guy but you see him struggle still and have anger management issues (laughs) sam i think you can speak on this as you've seen uh, the sequel trilogy yeah um a lot of people don't like kylo ren or they say that he wasn't used to his potential um i don't know i'm kind of neutral with it he he did his part in the movies as playing as portraying the the antagonist pretty well um obviously his his upbringing his dad is friggin what's his name I'm out here blanking on these Star Wars characters. Han Solo. Han Solo <laughs> resents his parents, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, he's just kind of there for me. Matt, what are your thoughts on <laughs> Kylo Ren's one of my favorite things in the sequel trilogy? So I love Kylo's Kylo. awesome, man. and I love I love the transition, <laughs> the transition of what he becomes at the end of Rise. So enough I agree. Said. I mean been over this multiple sorry, times boys, in the pod I'm tarnishing I... this podcast for you guys what sorry <laughs> sorry i'm completely ruining this pod no, no, no. you started off strong now we're getting into the burning the midnight oil here so it's <laughs> getting a little rusty it's all good um yeah no i agree 100 percent with matt i don't think he's just there for me kylo is <laughs> An extremely strong character. Probably the most fleshed out thing we got out of the sequel trilogy. And I love his arc, the, his redemption at the end. I wish he hadn't died and we could have seen him and Rey peacefully watch over the galaxy. But I think it makes it better that not only did Kylo Ren have to die, but Ben Solo also had to die in the end. And uh, now it's up to our character Rey, who I love. Although not as developed as Kylo, but the galaxy is in good hands with Daisy Ridley. But yeah, Kylo is just an, a super cool... When you think about cool villains, you'll think of... Kids these days will think of Kylo Ren. He might be their Darth Vader, and I don't fault them for that. He's exactly. an extremely cool-looking Vader. He's like Vader 2.0, essentially. They outright say it. So I think Kylo Ren's a great pick. Could have been on there for me, but I think there are others. Like, I can't put him ahead of Darth Vader, obviously. So, great pick, Sarah. Now, the next one is from... Where There's a big theme on these next four there, basically. It's from Camille Blanchard-Séguin, Dylan's girlfriend. So, now we've rounded out. Unfortunately, Dylan and Sarah's mom did not submit anything here. So, that's a little disappointing. But anyways, so Camille wrote in, Assistant Mayor Don Bellwether in Zootopia. Honestly, what a great rep of white women being way more than complicit in racism and seeming all innocent in the eyes of the public. Very timely. In parentheses, again. So that's a a big sleeper pick. I've only seen Zootopia once, so I can't speak on her too much. But I do remember really enjoying Zootopia. I think I thought she was a good villain because if I remember correctly, they made it seem as though the mayor was the villain, the lion, but that was a red herring mm-hmm. and she ended up being the one masterminding everything. Matt, Bassam, have you seen Zootopia and have anything to add? I have not seen yeah, Zootopia. Yeah, ju- just quickly. <laughs> no, go ahead, Bassam. Uh, sorry, I have not seen Zootopia. I, I don't have anything to add. 
I've seen Zootopia. I love Zootopia, and that's part of the great twist at the end. I mean, spoiler alert, but she's a great villain. And then, last but not least, we had friend of the podcast, Ezra, tuning in from Finland, who wrote in, I'm pretty sure you're going to talk about many great villains in superhero and fantasy movies, such as Joker, Thanos, Voldemort, Darth Vader. Ironically, all four in order of my list. So I got to come up with some other names. Hans Gruber in Die Hard. He's one of the best villains <laughs> in straight up action movies. So before we get to his next pick, thoughts on Hans Gruber. Basan? Uh, I've seen Die Hard once. Okay. Uh, he's okay. played by a Snape, right? Yep. Alan yes. Rickman. Rest in peace. I, I don't know. I, I can't really think of anything about him. I've only seen it once a while ago. Uh, yeah. Matt. He has a great screen presence in the movie. He has great, like, his lines are great. And the movie's filled with great action scenes. Not always involving him, but, like, the final showdown with him and um, John is great. And he has a super, extremely memorable death scene that, like, yeah, very memorable. Oh, yeah. To me, Hans Gruber actually almost made my list. He's, wow. um, I watch, we watch Die Hard every Christmas. So that's mm. definitely one of my favorite Christmas movies and action movies for that matter. And I think Hans Gruber is a big reason because why it's one of my favorite movies. Um, I love John McClane more than Hans Gruber. So I think that's where it's separated for me in that I prefer the protagonist of the villain. Why he didn't make my list. But he's a mastermind. Always cool, calm, collected. Always in control even when John... Um, interferes with his plan he's always smooth over the phone with him but doesn't really get the upper hand on him so in that regards John just trumps him at every turn but I do really love Hans Gruber's character um, I think that's a great pick it is a great pick yep a lot of great exchanges between those two I guess for me it would mirror like Maximus Commodus um, I love the, the scene where McLean gives Hans a gun at the end there and then he tries he pulls the trigger and then John goes with one of my favorite lines in the movie which is no bullets what do you think I'm fucking stupid Hans I just, that line just kills me every time <laughs> um, great movie if you haven't seen Die Hard I'd, like John McClane would be up there for me for heroes in a movie Sorry, I'm out here trying to swim, drowning with no life vest. You could have tossed me these uh, honorable mentions, so I did some more research before we started. I know, man. I'm kind of suing both of you in not sending you what they sent. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I know, but it's all part of the fun. Yeah, you can. Uh, I have. Uh, I have two. Uh, Two people sent something in for me. If you oh, want to nice. Finish okay, yeah, up. let's go to that, actually. So I, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Thanks a lot, Ezra. You had also the alien from Alien. Great villain, I think. Pretty cool. But let's go to the Tales submissions. <laughs> well, so one of them is a Tales uh, former guest, Danish. And uh, he actually said two villains. And then Krishore also sent the same oh, two wow, villains. Oh, okay. Yeah, so wow. sure out here responding to Shout my story. No big deal. Um, they they both they both said Joker and Bane. So we obviously spoke a lot about Joker, but uh, in terms of Bane, we haven't really talked about Bane much. Um, 
I like Bane a lot, and I don't think he gets enough credit. A lot of people, I've heard a lot of people give him a lot of hate. But uh, I think uh, Tom Hardy did a fantastic job with Bane. Everything from his voice to his physique and his uh, his combat. and Yeah, I don't know. I like Bane a lot. Anything that yeah, his his look is really cool, but you can't understand anything he says. And in, at the end of the day, he's just a stupid <laughs> pawn for uh, the real bad guy in the movie. Why do people say they can't understand him? I I can understand him fine. Not I echo everything you said. I don't need to add anything else, but I will. Uh, I think Bane looks awesome. His fight scene with Batman in the gutters is amazing. I think I, I need to rewatch Dark Knight Rises. I've, it's the movie of the three that I've seen the least amount of times. But like you said, I don't understand half of, half of what Bane says. So to me, that's a major problem. And despite thinking he lo- he's a cool-looking villain, again, like you said, he's just a pawn in, I believe, Talia al Ghul's endgame. So, mm-hmm. thanks for the submission, boys. Dinesh and Krishore. Great picks. Sam, any counterpoints to what we said about Bane? No, I'll just stop talking. No, 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 man. It's, uh... no, here, I'm out here getting, uh, getting sewered from every angle. <laughs> no, not at all, man. <laughs> the black sheep of this uh, episode. I just handed it off to you. No, no like I said, I, I, don't, I never had a problem understanding what he was saying. That is impressive. Maybe I have better ears. I guess so, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was it for the submissions on my end there. Um, and thanks a lot to everybody who did write in with submissions. I loved it. And, um, yeah, I hope we did your picks justice. Do you guys want to share a few honorables before uh, signing out here? Because I had a I, ton uh... of people listed, and I'm sure you had others. They're like, mm-hmm. who almost made your list if you want to give us? We can do, like, a couple. I have you can just rapid here. fire say them fast. Yeah, rapid fire. I just rattle them off. All right, but Sam, you go first. Okay, uh, Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Uh, that was honestly it. and Anton Chigurh. Those are my two. I don't that know was one much, of mine. Yeah. But Sam Anton is a great pick, like because having yeah, no, his face, like the whole that, movie. That's exactly why, and his, and I, his silenced shotgun, I loved that. Yeah, he used it on the doors, too, like, and oh my god, and everything about him. Yeah. Very persistent yeah. character as well. He's very clean too. Like he doesn't want to mm-hmm. touch blood, or he's very cleaning his own wounds, and yeah, he's very like OCD. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. He's also. Um, I remember from that movie, he he kind of jerry rigs a lot of things together. Like he used a kid's T-shirt as a as a sling. sling. Yeah. yeah. So he's very handy in that sense. Yeah. Sick character. He, for he, sure. Like to cause a distraction, he just like ignites a car up and then walks yeah. in the drugstore, grabs what he needs. Super crafty. Well said. Unrelated to his character, yeah. actually not related because I'm pretty sure. Does um, Josh Brolin's character get killed by Anton Sugar, or is it just part? Nope. No. Mexican cartel kills him. So to me, that's kind of something I wish they had done differently. And Matt, do you think there was a reason why they didn't show our protagonist get killed in that movie? Like, do you think that was um, that was done for a particular reason? Maybe, maybe for the like the shock of the discovery. I know that's how they do it in the book. So the movie wanted to follow the book, but like. 
a lot of people are confused about that. But if you watch the movie enough, everything's explained like why, how they found out he was there, why he got killed. They just don't show it, which can be a cheap trick. But I think it's more for the reveal of when Tommy Lee Jones, the sheriff character, walks down the crime scene. So, just my thoughts. It's all I'd pick, but Sam. Do you want me to rattle off mine? Yep. Okay, just uh, so I had Anton Sugar from No Country for Old Men. Uh, okay, Rafe finds his character from Schindler's List, the camp commander guy. Like, there is no one more evil than that character in any movie because it's based on a real life evil man. So enough said about that. We don't need to get into that. Uh, I also had Magneto, both versions, I guess, Michael Fassbender and uh, Ian McKellen. And then last, I had the iceberg in Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Nice. (laughs) All right, solid list. I also had... What's her? Nothing. No one said anything. Okay. Imagining things. So, yeah, I also also had Magneto on my list. I love his... um, Both renditions, like you said, Michael Fassbender and Ian McKellen's character there... uh, both amazing. I love when, like I've said before, when villains and heroes team up, which we see in first class, and I love that from Fastbender and McAvoy. But then they go on their separate paths because Magneto sees the us versus them mentality between the humans and the mutants, whereas Professor X wants everyone to live in harmony. But we all know that Magneto, unfortunately, was right. And I think that's a reason that makes him an interesting character is that he's fighting for his kind to survive and do is doing what is necessary for the oppressed mutants to live. Or, but then that's what brings him down is that he wants to rule over humanity. So Magneto almost made my list, actually. I had him um, very close in there. So that'd be my big honorable mention. I also want to say that my cousin Daniel also wrote in, I forgot to mention... Green Goblin, which is also one of my honorable mentions. Green Goblin from Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire. I think Willem Dafoe does a great job. He also... I was scared of his character when I was younger. No shame mm-hmm. in admitting. He's, when, the mirror when scene? He's, when he's talking to himself in the mirror there, that always freaked me out. Yeah, no, he did it. It, t- it Like, when you're a kid, you don't really understand how... Um, how deep that acting is and, and what he's really portraying is like this personality disorder type of thing. When it really comes down to it, you understand that like later on. Also want to throw in my boy Zerg from Toy Story 2. Pretty sick. <laughs> Un- underused villain. <laughs> but oh, Lotso the bear. Lotso is on the yeah, list. I've, I've only seen Toy Story 3 once. So. But he was a, a terrifying <laughs> villain. None of you had Tyler Durden? Nah, I've only seen Fight Club once, no. so. Well, be- because of the revelation, I didn't really, mm-hmm. I-, I wouldn't know how to explain why to include him because. I think he well, was just, he's cool in the sense that like, because he's an alter ego, right? He's like Norton's darkest parts of him throughout that whole. So he himself is the villain and the. Absolutely, yeah. Like he's like banging his girl that. But it's really him banging the girl. But in his views, yeah. it's it's uh, it's Tyler yeah. banging his girl, and like he hates him and all this stuff. I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool, like that. And that's a good way to come full circle in that the two personalities in giving into our our wants or dark desires and 
not giving in, which in the end, if you've seen Fight Club, you know that he gets rid of his um, alter ego in a strange final scene, but <laughs> yeah, so I think that's a, if you guys had any other honorable mentions there, I think that'd be a good nope. way to wrap it all up there, talking about what makes a great villain, and uh, is that they're also relatable, so thanks a lot, Bassam, again, for joining us, always love hearing your thoughts uh, on everything, so uh, <laughs> thanks for having me guys no thank you for joining us it's thank much you, better you. with three people i find different yeah. ideas get bounced so is that a for shot sure. at me when we do pods together and it's whatever um <laughs> no it's a shot at me i'm more nervous when there's only you and me i gotta be more on the ball yeah i, I wasn't really on the ball today you guys could tell but uh i, know, I tried you're, my you're best good. you were fine Slowly and surely going to poach you from your podcast to join us. <laughs> so, so, yeah, thanks a lot, Matt, again, for joining. I love uh, hearing your thoughts on my, again, I love villains, and um, you provided some great insight on the movies and villains themselves. So, thanks a lot. Sounds good. Peace. Uh, look forward to the new, next episode. Same here. So, thanks a lot for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every other Monday. And everyone, stay safe. Peace.